I want to say to you this morning, so we started last week with this kind of topic and we said, how are you growing? Not just how are you going, but how are you growing? How are you growing physically? How are you growing emotionally? How are you growing spiritually? How are you growing socially? And Jesus grew in all of those areas of life. And I want to say to you, we should be, as reflectors of Jesus painting a better picture, we should be growing physically. We should be growing spiritually. We should be growing socially. We should be growing in wisdom. And and so last week when I said about wisdom, I pushed that into the sign of um, emotional maturity. Today we're going to title this message, Getting Unstuck. And I want to start with a quick story. I don't know whether anyone's noticed, but my motorhome is down the back. Has anyone seen that? So as we drove out last night, well, as all you guys drove out last night, I got real excited. I got in the motorhome, I started up, and I put my foot on the accelerator, and I went, and I put it in reverse, and I went, I put it back in drive, and and you you know how you get that feeling where you're just not going anywhere, but the engine's revving? It's not the first time for me, by the way. A little while ago, we ended up getting a Triton. I joined the four-wheel drive group. I'm like, this is not a group, but like anybody who's got a four-wheel drive, I joined that club. And I'm like, this is going to be so exciting. I'm going to have a four-wheel drive. I'm going to be one of the elite few people in the whole world that has one, like because not many people have them anymore. And so I got this Triton, I was blessed, and it was fantastic. And we went on to Bribey Island. Anyone been to Bribey Island? Anyone been beach driving on Bribey Island? Anyone know what to do? Because apparently I joined this club, it was fantastic. And as I was going along, I'm driving down the sand on Bribey Island. I look in front, I look into the distance, and I see this guy, and he is bogged. Do you know how you had that little chuckle when you see somebody else bogged? That, you know, and you're like, ha, that's not gonna be me. And so I decided to swing around and drive up onto the softer sand because apparently softer sand I thought would be helpful. And so I go around him to go onto the softer sand and we're driving and I just get bogged right beside the other guy who's bogged. It's a little embarrassing really because now we're both bogged on Bribey Island, which would have been bad except we were bogged at the entrance to Bribey Island's beach. So, so now, now no one can get off and no one can get on. You ever notice how sometimes when you get stuck, you actually don't just affect you, you start to affect other people? That was a good segue, wasn't it, into the spiritual journey of the church. I want to talk to you this morning about being bogged and getting stuck. And even more than that, can I talk to you about being bogged, getting stuck and getting unstuck? Because the whole goal, can, can we just do this for a second? You know, being bogged is not my fault alone. It's not just something that I do. Do you know, being bogged is kind of like part of the human condition, isn't it? You know, sometimes being bogged can be a bit embarrassing. I was talking to Tracy, where's Tracy? And she was telling me about Johnny and her husband and her go onto Fraser Island. And apparently, I didn't realise, but being bogged is quite emasculating. Fortunately for me, it didn't really bother me that much. But apparently, if you get bogged as a real man, you don't, you know, you don't get bogged. And if you do get bogged, you don't ask for help because you're a real man and real men don't get bogged. I'm bogged but it's not just my story being bogged is everybody's story it's sure some of you get bogged in sand and some of you get bogged in mud but some of you get bogged in marriages some of you get bogged in businesses some of you get bogged in finances some of you get bogged in different areas and aspects some of you get bogged spiritually you know what being bogged is don't you being bogged is when the engine is running and everything's making a lot of noise but there's no momentum you're just going through the motions turn to somebody next to you and say are you bogged (laughs) see 
See, it's, for me, it's funny how God can use these moments to get my attention, and I'm hoping that he will use my moments to get your attention. I'm hoping that my story of being bogged will become your story of being bogged, and you will see not only my story of being bogged and your story of being bogged, but you'll see it through the scriptures that it's not just us, it's human's condition. How do I know? Let me give you another story, a couple of people. If you have a Bible, please don't turn to it or read it. Sorry, now. I mean, like, do turn to it and do read it, but just not now, because otherwise this 25-minute sermon will turn into a two-and-a-half-hour sermon. So we are just going to tell you where the Scriptures are. But one of the Scriptures that I want you to read is from Exodus chapter 1 through to Exodus chapter 15. Exodus chapter 1 through to Exodus chapter 15, if you're writing that down, is a fantastic story of the Israelites who were bogged. They went into Egypt at one point. They were like all going down to Egypt. There was a famine in the land. They go down into Egypt, and then they get stuck in Egypt. And they're stuck there. The Bible says they're stuck there for nearly 400 years as slaves in Egypt, I don't know about you, but if you're somewhere for 400 years and your children are somewhere and their children and their children and their children, I would call that stuck, wouldn't you? They are definitely bogged. And so at this point, they cry out to God and God comes in and he delivers them from slavery and he takes them through the Red Sea, through the Dead Sea, sorry, he takes them through there and they go into what's called a wilderness and he's taken them on this 11-day journey that goes into the promised land. Come with me, we're going to set you free, we're going to go on an 11-day journey into the promised land. Anyone remember the stories? We come over, if you're reading your scriptures and you want to continue on this journey, you're going to come to Numbers chapter 13. So from Exodus chapters 1 to 15, you're going to read that. You're going to understand that God sets his people free from Egypt and he takes them on a journey into the promised land. In the promised land, as they're heading toward the promised land, they come to the wilderness. And when they're in the wilderness, God comes to Numbers chapter 13. And in Numbers 13, Moses sends out 12 spies, doesn't he? And he says to these 12 spies, I want you to go to the promised land, the one we're heading to. I want you to go ahead of me. I want you to find out whether the soil's fertile or not fertile. I want you to find out what it looks like. I want you to find out how good it is. And I think in his head, he's expecting them to come back and tell everybody, this is a fantastic place. And how many people remember the story? 12 people came back and 10 of them are not so happy. 10 of them don't have faith. They just have fear. Ten of them don't see potential, they just see problems. You ever got with those people that all they see is problems? You ever met those people, by the way, when you're stuck and they come up and they, I just love these people, you know. I think everyone should have a sign that says stupid and we could hand it out to people. You know the ones that come up and you're like, and they come up and they go, oh, are you bogged? No, I like doing this. You know those ones? Or the ones that come up to you, you know, when your tire's flat and they go, oh, have you got a flat tire? No, no, the other three just inflated. I'm not sure what happened. You know those ones? Or when you've got your bike on the back and they, they look at your bike hanging over the back of you and they go, you're going for a bike ride. What? No. No, this is a decorative feature on the back of my U. Of course I'm going for a bike ride. You, you get what I'm saying, right? Moving along. You know those people though? It's those people. And these 10 people come back and they're like, ooh, sure, it's a great land and the pomegranates and the grapes are fantastic and this is fantastic. And if you went there, it would be brilliant, but the giants are massive. And all they see is uh, problems and no potential. And all they have is fear and no faith. And so the Bible records for you, if you're reading through Numbers 13 and 14, the Bible records that they are then bogged, stuck for another 40 years until those who have fear and no faith pass away and perish and the new generation comes in and enters the promised land. Do you know being bogged doesn't just affect you, it affects your children? Can we just do that for a second? 
being bogged doesn't just affect you if you are not committed. So sometimes we can kind of settle and we go, it's okay. It's all right. It's not too bad. Pull out the awning from the side of the ute. It's okay. I set up a beach chair. I'm looking at the beach. But being bogged doesn't just affect you. It affects those trying to get on the beach and those trying to get off the beach. It affects those who want to do something and move somewhere and, and get around. And all of a sudden, you're setting up camp right in the middle of people's way. And I think that's how sometimes we can be as a church. And that's how sometimes we can be in our marriage. That's how sometimes we can be in our business. It's like, well, I've got enough. This will do. I want to say to you today, I believe God wants to tell us how to get unstuck. Is that good? In fact, I'm going to read to you this morning from Hebrews. We're going to see the author of Hebrews talk about this. And the author of Hebrews chapter... Sorry, let me try and find it in my notes. That would have been handy. Wow. I think when I handed my notes over to Alyssa, she just deleted them. I'm just kidding. It's just a shout out to Alyssa. She's doing great. The author of Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7. And the author of Hebrews is writing from that perspective, by the way. He's writing... 2,000 years later, or a few hundred years later, whatever it might be, and he's writing to them. And he says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you have ears, sorry, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, as in rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. I just want you to take that thought, they have not known my ways. God sets them free from the bog of slavery and he sets them free and we come into the wilderness, but they're no less bogged than they were when they were in Egypt. In fact, when you read through those scriptures, you find many times they're like, can we go back? Because back there, there was you know, everything. There was slavery and God wants to move you forward, but some people are just so happy to just set up camp and be bogged. And... And I just get that feeling that sometimes even in church, even in my own life, we can get a bit stale, we can get a bit static. Sometimes we have the engine turning and lots of noise. We're just not going anywhere. I don't want to be one of those people. I, I want to hear him and know his ways. I don't want to just know about him. I want to know his, his ways. And so the message that I want to share with you this morning, if it's okay with the time that I have left, is I just want to give you some clues on how to get unbogged. And I'm hoping you can see this both metaphorically but also practically. I'm hoping that as I share the story of how to get unbogged in a beach or a mud situation, by the way, I am not professing to be a four-wheel drive expert. And so this is the great thing about these messages. You can think of other things that you could do to get unbogged. You know, so don't sit there and go, oh, <laughs> Pastor Phil, you didn't think of this. Ah, maybe that was God talking to you. Tune into that voice and write it down. That'll be helpful. But I want to say to you this morning that there are some certain things that I think we could pick up out of this story, out of being bogged at Bribey, and we could apply to our spiritual journey, and perhaps it would help us move forward. We could perhaps apply some of these to our marriages or our businesses or our relationships or our friendships, and that would perhaps help us to move forward. And so if you're willing, will you let me give you some simple solutions to how to be unbogged? By the way, unbogged is not actually in my spell check and so every time I write unbogged it tells me it's the wrong spelling so spell it however you like <laughs> if you find yourself stuck today let me give you some really cool clues number one you ready everyone got notes number one stop it's really helpful at that point 
You know, when your engine's running and you realize you're not moving anywhere, probably best at that point, take your foot off the accelerator. That will help. Maybe even good to turn the key off and to get out of the vehicle and have a look at what's going on. When you find yourself stuck, no matter where you find yourself stuck, wouldn't it be good if you just stopped and took a step back and look at the problem from a different angle? I don't know whether you're stuck in your marriage, but can I suggest that you stop and take a step back and look at the problem from a different angle? Maybe you're stuck with your parenting. And when you're stuck in your parenting, can I suggest you just stop? Don't just keep pushing in. You know, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing the same way and expect a different result. If you're stuck in your parenting, maybe just stop, take a step back and have a look at this from a different angle. Finances. Are you following me this morning? I need you to understand that the scriptures can apply to our lives. By the way, you know when Jesus was telling parables, he didn't always just tell a Bible story. He told a story and then he could add to the Bible. And then it became part of the Bible and it became part of our life story and now we live it out. What would it look like if the entire church today made a decision that they were going to be unstuck? They were going to take this message, they were going to apply it and they were going to say, you know, when I feel like I'm stuck somewhere, rather than just pushing and pushing and pushing, which only seems to bog us down further, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to look around and have a different look. I'm going to determine, first of all, how bogged I am. Sometimes we need to dig ourselves out, don't we? Who's done the four-wheel driving thing? Can we just have some hands so I can see, right? Great. Hopefully, I'm going to ask the right questions. Do we sometimes have to dig ourselves out? Is that... Sometimes we're actually so bogged, we go, man, I am sitting on the whole subframe of the car here and all of the wheels are turning. That's a bad thing. So sometimes we have to stop and dig ourselves out. Sometimes when we do it, don't we have to just go back a little bit? Who's ever done it on the beach? And you go back a little bit so you can take a run up again. But you, sometimes you have to go back a bit further, don't you? Can, can we do this? So sometimes first thing, first thing is what? When you're bogged and you want to be unbogged, what do you do? Stop. Oh, you want a scripture? Let me give you one. Um, Psalms 46.10. Be still and know I'm God. That's a good point, isn't it? Be still. Just stop. God, what do you want to do with this situation? That'd be a good point to start. But sometimes you've got to back it up. You, you reverse back. So sometimes you've got to reverse back. Can I say this? Sometimes you've got to go back further than what you would have felt comfortable going back. Sometimes you've really got to go back and go, where did I miss it? How did I find myself here on the really, really soft sand? What would have been smart is to go back, go right back and look at it and go, you know when I was driving on the hard, compacted sand and I saw the guy in front of me start to go right a little bit onto softer sand and get bogged? Would have been good to just stop and think, I'll just wait. Sometimes, you know what the problem is? Sometimes we just keep pushing on. We just think we're just going to go around. We're just going to make our own way. And I think sometimes God's telling you today to just pull back a little bit and go, where did you miss it? Some of you went left and God was saying, please go right. Don't go that way, go this way. Are you following what I'm saying? Where did I miss it? Sometimes we need to backtrack a bit to what was the last thing God told me? What was he saying to me in that moment? And I just kept pushing on doing my own thing. Where did this idea or concept come from? That's another good thought, isn't it? But can, can, we're doing this. Sometimes we stop and we go, well, I see it that way, but where did that way come from? Do you remember the story of the man who married his beautiful wife and the beautiful wife went to cook the lamb? 
And then she got the lamb and she, as she got the lamb and she was preparing it, she saw the lamb shank and she cut the bone and she turned it around and she put it in the oven. And the husband said to her, why'd you do that? She said, mum did it. He said, well, why did your mum do it? She goes, I don't know. So they rang the mum. They said, mum, how come when you're cooking the lamb, you always cut the shank, twist it and put it in the oven? Her mum says to me, her mum says, my mum did it. So they ring grandma and they say, Grandma, why do, you, why do you always, when you're cooking the lamb, you always cut the shank and you twist it around and you put it in the oven? She says, it's real simple. In my day, we had a really small oven and it didn't fit in even unless I cut it. Oh, we laugh, but how many times are we doing things today because our parents did it back then and we don't even know why our parents were doing it? Wouldn't it be cool if we actually could evaluate and pull back a little bit and pull back? Maybe go, I'm pleased, maybe, maybe go back, Mum and Dad, why did you do that? I tell you, I saw this in my own life, in my own parenting of my children. I watched my mum one time, hope she's not online, if she is, hi. But I watched my mum talking to my, grand, my child one day and I looked at mum getting angrier and angrier and talking to her and talking to her and, and I had that epiphany moment. It was like looking in a mirror where I went, wow. That's literally what I do, and I've shared this before. You know, like I go, I get a hammer, and I just get one hammer, and I pull it out, and I go, hey, I need this to happen. It doesn't happen. Didn't produce a required change, so I think, well, that didn't work. Put that away, get a bigger hammer. Didn't work. I get pull that away. I get a big hammer. And I just keep getting louder and louder and louder. I keep getting more, more vocal about it. I keep getting angrier about it and frustrated until eventually somebody capitulates. Isn't that... You know, I actually went... I'm going to come to another point in a minute, but I went to a counsellor so that I could talk these things through. You know what she showed me? It was amazing, I'm sitting there, I'm real frustrated that all my hammers aren't working. You know what she says to me, maybe you should try using a screwdriver. <laughs> you know, a hammer will put a screw into a wall, it's just easier if you use a screwdriver to do it. Why did I use a hammer? Because mum used a hammer. I bet you, I bet you if you go back to her parents, her parents used hammers. That's how they addressed issues in their home. Let's get a hammer out. They didn't know any better. They're not trying to be nasty parents. My parents were amazing parents. I was an amazing dad. Just ask me, I'll tell you. <laughs> but if when we're bogged, when we find ourselves stuck, when we find ourselves parenting in a way that isn't producing the results we really want to produce, and we've got the engine turning, we've got lots of noise, we've got lots of wheels spinning, it's going really, really good, but we're not actually making any momentum, maybe it's good to just stop and back up a bit and work out why I took that road in the first place. And then I realized that that was a path my mum took. I bet you she found that's a path her mum took, and so on and so forth. Are you following me this morning? How many of you need to go back? How many people are, don't put your hand up, everyone put your hand firmly in your pocket for a minute. But I'm gonna ask the question, how many people are bad with finances? With your hands firmly in your pocket, please stop putting your hand up, Courtney. <laughs> Because my next statement is perhaps your parents were bad with finances. And all of a sudden, the way we see finances becomes the way they saw finances. The way we cook the meat is the way they cook the meat. The way we parent is the way they parented. The way we do our marriage is the way they do their marriage. Are you following me this morning? And what's amazing is I look at my son sometimes and I think he's so smart. He's certainly smarter than me because he looks at me and he looks at that path and he goes... <laughs> My dad got bogged there. I'm not going down that path. And I talk to him and his new wife and, and they share things with me sometimes and I'm like, wow, that's really cool. And they look at me and like, yeah, we have a very different relationship. I'm like, 
Am I offended? No. Am I embarrassed? No. I did the best I knew to do with what I knew to do it with. They were just able to spot me getting bogged and take a different path. Is this okay? Is this... Well, why did the people get stuck in the wilderness? Because fear was ingrained in them from 400 years of slavery. They couldn't imagine anything better. They didn't have faith. They only had fear. They couldn't imagine a potential. They only had a problem. So they stayed stuck until faith could rise in their heart for something better. Can I give you the third thing? Sometimes you're ready. This is going to be very emasculating. Third thing for me, number one, stop. Number two, pull back. Have a look. Back up a bit. Find out where you went wrong. Number three, get help. Really easy. I'm bogged on Bribey Island. I have, by the way, not a smart decision. I have zero recovery gear. There is no way I am getting out of this on my own. I couldn't move backwards. I couldn't move forwards. I was literally stuck. I could have just put my foot on the accelerator and made more noise. I could have beat my horn louder than anybody else. I could have opened and shut the doors real angrily, you know. Could have walked around. But nothing would have made me unstuck. I needed to. You ready? Let's say it with me. Get help. Get help. Get help. Can we just, we should just stay here for a bit, hey? Get help. If you're bogged and you don't know how to get unbogged, get help. There's a great financial course called CAPS, Christians Against Poverty. My wife and I consider ourselves fairly good budgeters. We did the Christians Against Poverty. We looked at our visa bill. We looked at how much we were spending on takeouts. I was really shocked she spent that much. (laughs) I said, man, maybe that was a bad month. Let's go back a couple of months. So we went back another month. It got worse. She was spending more. (laughs) So we decided, we determined by getting help that we could look at where we were and why we were perhaps stuck a little bit and we could back up, we could figure out where we'd gone wrong and we could make some changes. But you know what? When we were there, we didn't even realise we were stuck. Get help. How good is the body of Christ, by the way? How good is the body? Because you come and you talk to people, men and women, hopefully of faith, by the way. Can I say this just really quickly? Get the right help. 12 spies went, 10 of them were naysayers and two of them were men of faith. If you find yourself getting the wrong help, it's real simple. You look at them and you go, can you only see problems and not potential? Have you only got fear and no faith? Do you only have complaining and criticizing and no compliments? Then I'm not going to hang around with you because you 10 aren't going anywhere. You 10 are stuck. You know, remember the two people who had faith? Do you remember their names? Joshua and Caleb. Let's do that again. Who had faith? Joshua and Caleb. Who entered the promised land? Joshua and Caleb. Who were the other 10? They were written, by the way, when you read Numbers 13 and 14. Just no one really remembers their name. Why not? Because they stayed stuck. Man, get help. You know, can, can I just do this? Sometimes we, I'm, I know I'm finishing up, but... If you need professional help, and I'm going to be really vulnerable and go, man, one of the greatest decisions I ever made was to go and talk to a counsellor on a regular basis, monthly, bi-monthly, quarterly, go and talk to a counsellor. And and somebody said to me one time, oh, you know, I don't need counselling to get good advice. I've got the Holy Ghost. And I said, I don't get advice from counsellors. You know what counsellors do? They ask me a better question. Love that. They ask a question that I hadn't already asked myself. 
And all of a sudden, I can see things in a different perspective. I'm standing on one side of the vehicle going, there's it, and Bog, don't know. They're standing on the other side going, man, you could do this, you could do this, you could do this. What about, what about if you tried that? What about, they just ask better questions. Are you getting that spawn? Get help. All right, I'm moving on. I'm actually going to come to my final point because I think it's the best point ever. You know what the final point? Do you know what I really needed to get unbogged? I didn't need... I didn't need more digging. I didn't need more people telling me what to do. Do you know what I really needed? You're going to love this. Do you know what I really, really needed? I needed a set. Do you know what they pulled out? They pulled out a set of tracks. And they put them under my tires. And, and you're ready? Here we go. Instead of having shifting sand, I had a solid foundation. That, can we just... Man, that touched me. We need a solid foundation. If you want to get traction, you want to get momentum, you want to start moving forward, do you know what you need? You don't necessarily need more counsellors. You don't necessarily need more help, more advice, more this. Sometimes you just need a solid foundation. And all the really spiritual people said, amen. We need a solid foundation. Jesus, according to Paul, was the stone or the rock never ran dry and he carried around and they could get the living water. Peter said he was the capstone. He's a solid foundation. And and I want to finish with this thought and I'm going to invite Jamie up in a moment, but I, I want to say to you that sometimes we can do all the other things, but if we don't have a solid foundation, we're never moving forward. So in one sense, the last point is the first point. We need a solid foundation. We need him. Some of us don't even realize how much we need him, but we need him. We need his wisdom. We need his stability. I'm going to ask you the question this morning. Number one, are you stuck? Number two, what are you building on? What's your foundation you're trying to move on to? Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.